we're starting a new series called Unstoppable. And the reason that we're doing that is, is because we are pressing into our unstoppable God. We're asking our unstoppable God to move in us as a church and in us individually in a really big but very specific way. Uh, so July 22nd, we're going to take a big offering. There are two dates that you need to remember. July 22nd is the first one. We're going to take an offering for our new building. As a lot of you know, we are in escrow on a piece of property that has four buildings on it already, uh, two miles east of us. So on the 22nd, we're going to take an offering. Over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about how we want to raise money to go toward that offering uh, because we've got a building that we're going to move into and we want to move in flawlessly. So the first one of those offerings is, or first one of those big dates is July 22nd. The first one before that is July 8th. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon, we're going to meet at our new property, 6175 East Kings Canyon Road. Uh, that's on your sermon outline as you got it as you walked in. Uh, we're going to meet there at 3 p.m. for basically our time for us to explore the land, for us to go in, see the buildings, worship in there, pray in there, and just kind of wander around, look at what our new future is going to look like before we actually move in. And that's what we're taking the offering for. If you're going through that little threefold brochure that you got as you walked in, uh, I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then we'll get into, uh, get into the message. What it begins with uh, is $875,000, okay? That is, uh, that's the amount of money that we are paying for for the new property with four buildings, $875,000. Uh, there's four buildings you can see on the, sh on the photo behind me. Uh, the first one of those, building number one, that's the sanctuary. Right now, it's going to hold uh, 180 people. Uh, it's got space for us. It's not going to be totally cavernous where we feel like we're, it's like 15 feet between us and the next person. It's going to be a really good place for us to grow for the next few years. Within that, uh, there's also two kids' ministry classrooms. What this is going to do for us right away is currently we have two rooms for kids, one and two. So we've got birth to kindergarten, and we've got first grade to sixth grader. If you remember when you were sixth grade how annoying first graders were, we're now going to be able to solve that problem because we can have kids in more specified age groups so that they can hear God's word in ways that they understand, so that they're around people who are more like their life stage. And so right off the bat, we can go from two classrooms all the way up to six classrooms if we want to because we're finally going to have the space for it. So numbers two and three, uh, those are kids' rooms. And then number four is going to be our guest reception area. If you're there for the first time and you want to know more about Mountain View Sunnyside, you finish church in building number one, you walk across to building number four, and there's going to be people and information there with tons of ways that you can get involved in Mountain View Sunnyside. What's also there currently is a barely hanging on, about to be improved kitchen. And so I'm really excited about that building. I'm excited that it's right across from the sanctuary, uh, that it's going to be a great place for us as a church to be able to like provide meals and do hospitality and make Mountain View Sunnyside a great place to be on Sundays. That's the purchase price is $875,000. Uh, we've got a loan in place. We're going to try to raise some money here that we'll, get a bit, that we'll talk about in a little bit. And we also have uh, a lot of help from main campus, Mountain View, our parent church that's at Ashland and Fowler uh, that's going to help us with this. Once we move in, though, it's like any house that you've ever moved in. Like you move in and there's a lot of stuff you want to change. And so there's a few of those that we're going to talk through. The first thing is we want to build a lobby and restrooms uh, right off the front of the building as soon as we can. This is the big ticket item. This is $132,000 right away. That's what we're praying for. The restrooms, there are already bathrooms there, but they are old. They are small. They are not in anywhere near ADA compliance. And there's no lobby. You go from outside to in the sanctuary immediately. 
Uh, we want to build a lobby because it's going to help guests come into church and get information early. Where do my kids go? Uh, where are the ways that I can get involved during the week? Where do I go for church? I don't want it to just be doors to the outside and then boom, you're in. We want to build a lobby because it's going to help us welcome people who don't already go to church. This is a big deal for us as we move in here, is we're not just moving into a building. We have a building already. But for a church plant to take roots and to grow and survive and flourish, the biggest thing that makes it happen is to move into a permanent location. So that's what we're aiming for with our new property, to move into a permanent location. And a lobby and restrooms, nice restrooms right away, are going to help us do that. So you've all been in a restaurant where you love the food and then you go to use the restroom at some point and you walk in there and you suddenly wonder the, the meat integrity of what you just ate. Did I have a mouse? Did I have a rat? Because of how jacked up the restroom is. We don't want that, that to be us as a church. Okay, we want to have nice restrooms because nice restrooms, it sounds weird, but you know it's totally true in your head. A nice restroom communicates welcome. Okay? If you're inviting people over to your house, one of the things that we do in our house is we make sure that the bathroom is clean. We make sure that the toilets are flushed, that there's no evidence of the fact that we have a four-year-old uh, who flushes when he wants to. Right? We want to make sure that our wet restroom is good. And so for us to build restrooms means two things. One, we're expanding the restrooms that we already have on the property because they are small and they're also right next to the stage, which creates some sound awkwardness. Uh, but also we're putting them at the beginning so it's easy to go from the seat to the restroom when you need to go to the bathroom, and it also communicates welcoming. So that's the big thing. We want to build a lobby. We want to move the bathrooms. Second thing is kind of three parts to it, and that's improving the sanctuary. Okay, right now there are beautiful wood trusses that hold up the roof. The only problem is they have massive cracks in them. So as soon as we close escrow, right away we're going to invest $25,000 in us not having the roof cave into us. Okay, it's great to go to church, be the people of Jesus. I don't want anybody to go from the people of Jesus to seeing Jesus as the roof came down, come down on our heads, okay? So right away, we're going to invest $25,000 in fixing those trusses, getting Mountain View Sunnyside in our new location, a place uh, that can be welcoming and safe. Uh, this is a necessary repair for us right off the bat. The second phase of, of the sanctuary improvements is a room expansion. So behind the current sanctuary, within the same building, there are the two janky old bathrooms, and there's also like a, dre a dressing room area for the pastor. I'm going to continue to get dressed at home. That's going to be a good thing. And so we can wipe that out, wipe off the old bathrooms, build new bathrooms out front, and immediately expand our seating capacity by 40%. This gives us room to grow for years. This puts us so that we're not going to be in a place a year from now, two years from now, where all of a sudden 180 no longer cuts it. We want to be in a place where we can grow for decades. And moving from 180 to 250 helps us do that. So right away to knock out that back, room, back wall and expand our seating capacity by 40%, that's going to be a really good thing. The third part of the sanctuary part uh, is actually the cheapest, fortunately. And that's going to be upgrading and installing all of the uh, audiovisual stuff. So one thing we're going to do to save money is we're going to use the sound system that we have currently. We're going to use that in the new building. That will cost us $0.00. The problem is they have no TVs. They have nothing to actually display anything. They're taking the Amish route. And so if, unless we want to take the Amish route, but which will be awkward because we continue to drive cars and you don't have to wear a skirt if you're a woman. You can wear pants. Uh, we need TVs. We need ways to, dis to display information. We need ways to put worship lyrics up there. If you're thinking he's so insensitive, my grandparents were Amish, so we can joke about this. It's okay. 
Uh, we want we want to be able to have worship lyrics up. We want to be able to put information up and show videos and stuff during service. And so we need to hang some TVs to make that happen. Uh, and also run all the wires and everything for it. It's a lot of the stuff is in place, but we need to put some of the finishing touches on it to make it a place that you want to bring your friends. Third thing that we want to do is we want to breathe life into the kids' ministry rooms and also uh, equip that welcome center. The kitchen is going to get improved massively. I'm really excited about that. Uh, But when we move into the kids' rooms, they're going to be totally empty. And that doesn't scream welcoming to little kids. Like We want the rooms that are currently totally empty to look like kid rooms, which means we have to invest some money to make them look like kid rooms. One of the big things we want to do is we want to take building number two, as you can see with that red arrow, and we want to move it next to number three so that all of kids' ministry is one, not right off of Kings Canyon Boulevard. And if you're a crazy person and you're looking to invade a classroom, that's the first one you'll get to. We want everything to be together. And that's for two reasons. One of those is for the parents. We want it convenient for parents who have a sixth grader and a three-year-old. We don't, have to, we don't want you to have to walk all the way across property to drop your kids off. I want it to be one place right there where you can walk through our nice lobby that Mountain View Sunnyside is going to help fund, and you can drop your kids off to go into their two consecutive classrooms. Uh, I want parents to be able to pick up their kids easily and know where the classrooms are and not have to think, is this the one on the west side of the property or way out on the north side of the property? I want everything together. And the second thing is I want it to be together for the kids. There's an awesome basketball area, a great playground, and I want all the kids to be right next to that, that they walk out of their classroom, down the ADA-approved ramps, which we're going to help fund and stuff, uh, down to the basketball area and to the playground. Have all that stuff just right there. That's a big deal to me. And so we're going to move the portable, uh, and that's part of the 30 grand that we're raising for the kids' ministry. We're also going to raise and equip uh, and make uh, make ready-to-go our welcome area. We want this to be one of the nicest rooms on the place because as people who are new to Jesus come and they want to find information, they want to find somebody to talk to, we want to have a nice place for that to happen. Yes, we can get by uh, with nothing. But if we're going to be serious about reaching people, we want to invest everything we can to see that happen. The next area where we're raising money and what, what this is going toward uh, is for paint. When we paint things, it's communicating that somebody new is here. It's also communicating that we care about how our community looks by taking care of our own property. It shows that we're invested in the Sunnyside area. And so we want to do everything that we can as a church to make Sunnyside look good because we want Jesus to look good. So we're going to paint everything. We're going to have to do a bunch of caulking to close holes and stuff. All that is going to cost money. And so there's 27000 that's going to go toward that. Next thing is just a general cost of business amount. That's going to go toward paying the architects and the engineers who are helping us put all these plans together and also paying the city as we submit a bunch of uh, perm- submit plans for permits and stuff as we move forward. We want to start off on day one being in code on everything so that we never have to go back and have to redo stuff and undo stuff. We want to start from day one uh, being up to code in everything. So that's a lot of stuff. If we do everything, absolutely everything, the cost right now is $1.162 million, right? Some of that is going to be carried by a loan. We're looking at a loan of $560,000. Some of that is going to be given to us uh, from our parent church, from Mountain View Main Campus. That's going to be $542,000. And with that, what we're going to look at for the next six weeks is raising money here internally, raising $60,000, right? This is going to be a good thing for us as a church. If you look at this right away and you think, man, that, that, that's a lot of money. I don't know how I can give on that. 
We're going to be working on how to make a plan for each family, how each family can look at expenses and where money is going already and think how can we invest at Mountain View Sunnyside uh, to see us reach that $60,000 goal, even though it's a huge, a huge amount. Because there's a bunch of things that God wants to say about money. Okay, there's some people that completely blow it out of proportion and they get famous for doing bad things with money. But really when it comes down to it, money is one of those areas, unlike anything else, where God speaks to us, where God teaches us about who we are and about who he is through our finances. We say this all the time when we take our offering. We're taking an offering because it is all from God. God is our provider. None of us in here are one million percent financially self-made. Right? We are provided for by our God who loves us. And out of that provision that he gives us, he gives us 100%. He asks for 10% back. And then he says, as wisely as possible, I want you to manage the next 90. I want you to be wise around your finances. 10% giving back, we're going to talk about this in two weeks. That's called tithing. That's where God says, out of everything I've given you, I want you to invest 10% in your local church. There's one point where where God is talking uh, through a guy named Malachi to his people, and he says, you've cheated me. And so the people ask back, God, how have we cheated you? And he says, the way you've cheated me is because you've robbed me of tithes and offerings. You've robbed me of that 10%. But he doesn't just end it there with anger. He ends it, he follows it with a path back. He says, trust me on this. Bring all the tithes, bring all the offerings into the storehouse, which is the church and I will, and, 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 sorry, and he says, trust me, I'll prove it to you that I can be faithful. Because your crops will grow, they won't fall off the vine uh, before they are ripe. In fact, all nations will see how well you're doing and they'll call you blessed. We don't give because we want to receive something from God. It's not like a vending machine or a pinata where if we pound on him with our offering envelope, blessings are even come falling down. We do this out of obedience. We do this out of faith-filled, joyful obedience to the God who loves us and gave himself for us. And on top of that, God gives us opportunities to be generous. God is a recklessly generous God. He saw us in our place of need for salvation. And instead of giving us a little bit, he gave us everything. He gave us his own son. In fact, John 3, 16, it says, For this is how much God loves the world, that he gave his only son. The most popular verse in the Bible talks about and stops, starts with God giving. We worship a generous God. And so for us as a church, we're going to leverage everything we can toward moving in with our hearts tied to Mountain View Sunnyside. And for some of you, you're new and you're thinking, what are they talking about? We're talking about getting serious around our finances with following Jesus. Right, Jesus at one point when he's on earth, he's talking about money because he talks about money all the time because he realizes how powerful it is for us. He says, no one can serve two masters. Because where you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. But for everyone who gives, where your treasure is, there your heart also is. We want to be people whose hearts are invested in church. We're not just dating the church. We're not just hanging out with church when it's convenient, but having our hearts invested in what God is doing in our new property. For some of you, the giving challenge is going to be that you start tithing. And we're going to talk about this over the next six, week, six weeks. We're going to begin tithing. We're going to begin giving back to God as he's given to us and not holding 100% anymore. But for all of us, what I want us to do, kids included, this is as soon as you have money, you're in this. But for all of us to look at our finances, to look at that July 22nd date, to look at what God has given us and say, okay, what can I invest 
in the new building at Mountain View Sunnyside. How can we take as much of a swing at our down payment as possible, see how we can raise that, and then see how many things we can fix right away as we move in? And how can we as families give sacrificially to this? I was driving around with my daughter yesterday. We drove by the building. Uh, we saw it. We got excited. It was awesome. Uh, and so I'm telling her about how we're going to pay for things as we go forward. And she says, well, we need to have a lot of bake sales because she's 10, and that's her like, philosophy on raising money is we need to have bake sales. And why we're not going to do that is because bake sales require very little of a sacrificial gift. You can get muffins for $7 at Costco. But what I want us to do is to dig in deep and say, oh God, what do you want me to give? Where's the faith-filled number that you want me to give? What's the plan that, you, that you're going to have to work in me to put this thing together? Because I'm not a planner and I'm not Bill Gates. How can I contribute to this? I want us as a church to look into what's it going to look like for the next six weeks for us to save, for us to plan, and for us to make a concrete dollar amount step forward to giving sacrificially to what Jesus is doing in the church. For some of you who have never given a dime to the church, and this is your chance to jump in. This is your first step. We worship an unstoppable God. We're starting a series today called Unstoppable because God has a way of using our first step to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Okay, that unstoppable thing, it's something that we're pulling from Numbers 13. It's a story of a situation in the nation of Israel similar to where we are as a church right now. They're halfway between slavery and the promised land that God tells them, I'm going to give this to you. You are going to walk into this, not because you're amazing warriors, but because I have chosen you and I've chosen this land and I'm going to lead you into it. And so as they're approaching the land, Moses, their leader, takes 12 spies and he sends them into the land. He wants them to scout it out. He wants them to see what's it going to be like when they get there. And they come back and they're having a team meeting, similar to what we're doing right now. And there are 10 of them who talk about how great the land is, but how big everything is, and how much work it's going to take to get there, and how fearful they are, and how it's just not going to happen, how that $60,000 goal is just not going to happen. That's not our church. Nobody gives like that in Sunnyside. Do you realize where we are? There's 10 of them who have that, and there's two who are quiet through that whole thing. And one of those spies is, again, is a guy named Caleb. And we name our sons after Caleb because of what he says here. In a moment of everybody freaking out, of everybody losing faith, of everybody doubting, Caleb, he says this. He says, let's go at once and let's take the land. God can certainly conquer it. And it's not called unstoppable because Caleb has such boldness and such audacity to speak life when everybody else is speaking doubt. It's because what God does as they fall. We say that the miraculous here happens because Faith plus participation equals the, mir the miracles. We believe in our providing God. And so what I'm calling us to as a church is to join that faith with our ability to participate, with our offering on the 22nd, with our plan leading up to the 22nd. I'm saying, okay, God, I've got faith in you as my provider. Now I'm going to participate, and I want to see the miraculous happen. And so after Caleb makes his bold declaration, let's go at once because we can certainly conquer the land. They get to a city called Jericho, and Jericho is surrounded by massive walls. And their plan for it, the plan that God gives them, is to walk around the city a bunch of times and at the end to yell. And God makes the walls cave in. They conquer Jericho. They're heading towards somewhere else. It's this big, organized army that massively outnumbers the Israelites. And what happens is the Spirit of God comes in and takes this organized, massive army 
and makes it all chaotic, makes it all crazy, and the army ends up fighting itself, and everybody gets killed, and Israel walks past them. And there's another one where they need to cross a river to even get to the walled city, to get to Jericho. And so what God does is not really that new for us in the Central Valley, but God dries up the river. Okay, we call that summer, but for them, that was a really, really big deal. But God absolutely dries up the river, and they walk through on dry ground. If they hadn't made the decision to continue to follow God's plan, to continue to follow God's call, back when they were scared, they would have never gotten to the river. The river never would have been dried up. It never would have had to have been dried up because they weren't there. But what I, what I want us to press into over these next six weeks is us saying as a church, God, show me where you're unstoppable. Show me your power around my finances. Give me the guts to give. Where I'm fearful, God, give me faith that overwhelms my fear. And for us to be able to move into a new building, not just because it's going to be comfortable for us, but because it's going to give us new ways and new authority and new power to reach the people who live around that place who are going to see Mountain View Sunnyside but don't know Jesus yet. We want to see them become Christians. We want to see a wave of evangelism going out of our new building as people who live near Bergen and Kings Canyon become Christians at Mountain View Sunnyside. So if you have questions about this in the next days and weeks and everything, uh, you've got the brochure. It's got the church number on there. I'll be outside after service. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to set up a time to meet. We can talk about this more. Uh, but this is going to be an exciting thing for us as a church. And so to kick it off, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into what we have for the rest of today. So Jesus, we thank you that you're a provider. We thank you that you call us to generosity. Thank you that you model generosity that you love us so much that you gave your only son. And God, as we look at being generous to the tune of $60,000 for Mountain View Sunnyside, for our new building, for all of the improvements that need to happen, from kids' rooms to the sanctuary to making it safe to be in, to a, a kitchen that's going to cook meals that are going to be used as a catalyst to invite people to church. Come to church with me on Sunday. We're having a meal afterwards. It'd be great to have you that through all this, God, you're going to use our faith, uh, which you're going to grow over these next six weeks, uh, to do the miraculous. We praise you as unstoppable. In light of all of our ability to be stopped, God, you are unstoppable. And so we ask for you to be glorified in this place over the next six weeks. And in Jesus' name, amen. So as we talk about our unstoppable God, the first place where we want to see that happen, the first amount of God being unstoppable, we don't want to see that just happen in our church as a whole. We happen in us individually. And so as we close today, I said earlier, we're going to have people across the front here who are here today to pray for healing. Today is a day where we're going to ask God to come into our lives, come into our hearts, and bring physical healing. We've got an unstoppable goal for us as a whole church, but we want this to start individually with healing. And Jesus starts all this. Jesus brings the power to heal. He begins the power of he to heal all of us at the cross. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6, it's a guy uh, 500 years before Jesus who's looking ahead to Jesus, and he says this about Jesus. He says, it was our weaknesses that he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought that all of his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins, he was beaten so that we could be made whole, he was whipped so that we could be healed, all of us like sheep has strayed away. And we have left God's plan to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. 
He's saying that Jesus, even on the cross, as he was paying the penalty for our sins, which we very much committed and very much deserved, that he never committed, that he never deserved, that Jesus, through this, began the process of our healing, that he allowed his body to be destroyed to make our bodies whole. And so today, as we look at healing, I say all this, and we're going to move into this completely understanding that there is still sickness, there is still pain in the world. There is still cancer. There are still broken bones. There's still emotional disorders. There is still relational brokenness. All these things still exist. But what we're going to do is we're going to say, God, we know one day all this is going to stop. And in the meantime, we're going to ask you to stop it now. We're going to ask you to bring healing now. For us who know Jesus in here, who have asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins and who have made Jesus the boss and the savior of our life, we know that there's going to come a day where our hearts are going to stop beating. We're going to go to heaven and we're going to see God face to face. And when we see God, there will be no more hurt. There will be no hurt. There will be no point pain. There will be no more disease. There will be no more emotional disorders. All these things are going to be gone because we're going to be in heaven where there is no darkness. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're asking Jesus to do what he told us to do. Jesus, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, he says, pray this simple way. Ask that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that today what we're asking for is the front here where we're going to have our pressures ready to pray for people. We're saying, okay, God, make this place at Sunnyside High School in Fresno, California, make this place this morning look like heaven. That people with injuries, people with sickness, people with any type of brokenness whatsoever are going to come up here and they're going to leave as if they are in heaven. That means they're going to be restored. That means they're going to be set free. That means that a touch from the God who created them and is able to heal them is going to invade their life, is going to separate broken from unbroken, is going to restore them back to the way that God created them. And there's seven areas where we want to see this happen. The first of those areas is emotional healing. If you're here and you struggle with anger and unforgiveness and depression, God wants to heal you emotionally. The second way is relational healing. It's conflict between people. God wants to restore what the devil has taken. I think there's a, there's a great verse that, that we can apply this to our lives and, and say, okay, do I need relational healing in this? It's Romans uh, chapter 12 or 18. It says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. That means if you see people, whether you're at work or whether you're around town or, or heck, even if you're here and you're like, man, I do not like that person. You need relational healing. Like this is the fastest litmus test ever. Is there somebody who if, was, if they were sitting right next to you today, you'd be like, why don't you leave? There are 535 seats in here. Pick any other one other than the one that's right here. Man, God wants to restore us around the areas in our life where we need relational healing. Third area is spiritual healing. This is the biggest of them all because Jesus took our sins. He took the areas where we hurt ourselves spiritually, where we hurt God, and he healed us from that. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, today's your day to find relational healing, to ask God to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to restore you back in a perfect relationship with him, and to be your leader in every area of your life. If you're here today and you've never done that, today's your day to find spiritual healing in Jesus. Next one is financial healing. If you worship money and you're unable to tithe, unable to give generously, God wants to lead you into freedom. Fifth area is intellectual healing. If you feel like you're losing your mind from drugs or from any other reason, God wants to heal your minds today. He created your mind. God wants to heal your minds today. 
Sixth area is sexual healing. And wherever, wherever there's brokenness or pain in your life around your sexuality, God actually created sex. It's something that didn't just happen on his, work, on his lunch break. God created sex for a purpose. That purpose is for it to exist uh, between one, one man and one woman and one marriage for one lifetime. And where that's going to rise, where there's brokenness and pain in your life, God wants to bring sexual healing to you. And the last area is physical healing. And where things have gone physically wrong in our lives, it's not a life sentence for us. It's an opportunity for us to see God move, an opportunity for us to see Jesus bring healing into our lives physically. And Jesus demonstrates his compassion and his power to heal by responding when we ask. I think it's great. It's two amazing attributes about God paired together. You've got the power of God who created the world with his breath, who spoke everything that we could see into existence. You've got almighty power here, and you've got the perfect love and compassion of God here. Because if all God was was power, we bring to him our difficulties, we bring to him our depression, or our anger, or our broken relationships, or our messed up finances, or our or hurt, sexuality, whatever it is, we bring it to God. And if all he has is power, he says, why are you bothering me? And at the same time, if, if, if all God is is compassion and mercy, but can't do anything, we come to God with our hurt, and he gives us a hug and then says, good luck. But instead, it's both things. It's the compassion of God, which draws us to himself, and it's the power of God, which welcomes us and then sends us out, changed and healed. And that's what I want us to ask for today. There's a scene in, in the life of Jesus that pairs both of these things perfectly. And I want this in our heads as we respond today. It's in Mark chapter 2. It's a book uh, that one of the guys who hung out with, uh, with Jesus, he, wrote, he writes. And, and Jesus is in, his, is in his hometown and people find out that Jesus is there. And his reputation as a healer has started to spread. And so he's teaching and people start coming up because they want, they want to experience Jesus and his power. Mark chapter 2 verse 2 it says, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I mean, this is the moment. Okay, there's a paralyzed guy who needs a healing touch from Jesus. His friends can't get to him, and so they climb up to the roof, and they start taking off the roof. All right, I'm, I'm thinking about this physically and logically. If we just started ripping off the roof right now, you know what would happen to all of us? We'd get hit by stuff. So Jesus is here being God on earth who's saying nice things to good people and, and telling them about God's love for him. And he's getting hit in the head because these guys above him are trying to clear space for something. And so finally Jesus, if he's come to after getting hit in the head, uh, looks and there's a man right in front of him. And so what does Jesus say? He doesn't say get in line. He doesn't say, dude, have you read the order of events? It's not your time. Jesus looks at him and he says this. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. That's the compassion and the power of God to look at us all today and our need for spiritual healing and our need for God to work in our lives physically and spiritually. And he looks at the guy who can't move, the guy whose very existence communicates to everyone around him in that day. We know better now, but in that day that there's something wrong in his life because if there was something bad, you'd get hurt. And if you got hurt, there must have been something bad. So Jesus looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. He's communicating you're good with God, that your faith has healed you. And there's other people who are looking at it and saying, Jesus, you can't say that. 
You can't just tell people that your sins are forgiven. You can't do that. And it's compassionate, but where's the power? And so Jesus says this. In verse 9, he says, Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, or the depressed man, the angry man, the man whose relationships have gone sideways, the man and the woman whose finances are messed up, whose intellect needs healing, whose sexuality needs healing. Is it easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. It's boldness right there. He's not saying, let me pray for you. He's not saying, let's ask God to do something. He's saying, stand up, because Jesus embodies the power of God and the willingness of God to heal. That's what we're asking for here. We're not just asking God comfort hearts. We're asking God, put bodies back together, put hearts back together, put lives back together. We trust you as a healing God. We want to see you move as a healing God today. So stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumps up. He grabs his mat, and he walks out to the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. So if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, today is your day for spiritual healing. Today is the day for you to meet your Savior who loves you, who created you, who bought your life and all of your mistakes on the cross and now has the authority on earth to forgive your sins. And if you're here today needing physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, financial healing, intellectual healing, or sexual healing, Today is our day to experience that. Let's stand and pray. And we're going to worship and respond. So Jesus, I thank you that you're our forgiver. I thank you that you're our healer. I thank you that you have both the power and the compassion to heal. That in your power, we're never bothering you when we ask for you to heal us. And in your compassion, there's nothing that you want to heal that you actually can't. God, you want to heal us and you have all power in heaven on earth. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to change you into a new person from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower here that we are sinners collectively. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Individually, we are sinners in need of a Savior. So if that's you today, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. It'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you. God loves the now version of you. God loves you. Always has, always will. And today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, called sin where we push God away. Where we say, God, I'm doing it my way. I'm not doing it your way. We separate ourselves from God and, and Jesus came to forgive us of our sin and to close that separation. And three, today's your day to say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to find forgiveness. Is there anyone like that here? Okay, I see you where you are. Stay where you are. And as we close today, someone's gonna pray with you. It'll be the best decision you could ever make. Is there anyone else where today's your day to find spiritual healing on top of everything else? Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Is there anyone else? I see you and someone will pray with you at the end. Okay, I see you where you are and at the end someone's gonna come pray with you. Is there anyone else where today's your day for spiritual healing? Okay, I see you where you are in the back row. Someone's gonna come pray for you.
So this morning when we were praying, we asked God, God, you know who's going to be here. You know the issues here. We don't. So who do you want to touch today? And so we feel like God is, is saying that there's someone uh, who's filled with anxiety and disconnecting from reality. And God wants to heal you today. And disconnected from your family, God wants to heal you today of your anxiety and that disconnect. We also believe there's someone with a knee injury where God wants to heal today. There's someone with mental illness that Jesus wants to heal today. There's someone with depression that Jesus wants to heal today. That there's a mom uh, that, that's having a lot of problems with a daughter and Jesus wants to heal you today. There's someone today with breathing issues and Jesus wants to heal those today. There's someone who needs just simply hope for restoration and Jesus wants to heal you today. There's somebody whose life is just filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. And Jesus wants to heal you for that. There's two parents that are brokenhearted for their son. They feel like every time that they're together, there's a big elephant in the room. And Jesus wants to heal that relationship today. And so, Father, we, we ask for you to come today. As these people are in the room, Father, we pray for you to make yourself known here bring glory to yourself in this place today. If we read off your name, if that's your situation, we're going to have people up front to pray with you for everything that God puts on your heart and everything that God's ready to do as our healer. Let's worship and respond.